welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, tonight we are continue, or continuing, finally finishing our series on the Deadly Seven. And just as a uh, wrap-up or a recap, the Deadly Seven was a list compiled by Pope Gregory in 590 AD, all right? And it's a list of seven problem areas that have caused people throughout the generations pain, hurt, and suffering, all right? And um, this series is all about identifying those areas and um, just hopefully giving us some practical skills that can just we can put into practice and help so that these deadly areas don't come and kill, steal, and destroy the plans and purposes that God has for our lives, all right? And um, I was going to do this whole introduction like I did last week, but then Steve put it in the news. So if I started that, I'm sure if I went, we serve a big... (laughs) Oh, you guys are not with it. (laughs) They were paying me out on the front row. They were just asking questions, and then the other one was going, so Tony would say something, and then Sam would go, yes, and so... (laughs) So I thought, oh, that really threw me in a spin. How do I do an intro now? Like, that just goes half of my introduction. But anyway, we do serve a big yes God, all right? He, when he created Adam and Eve and he popped them in the garden, I was going to say the garden of Gethsemane, <laughs> popped them in the garden of Eden, he literally said, go for it. That's a paraphrase. That's tonight's version. Not yes, 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 but just, hey, go for it. He just said, you know what? Go forth. So he did say go for it. Go forth and multiply, rule and have dominion. And he said the only one little thing he said was whatever you do, don't eat from the tree in the center of the garden. So he is a big yes God that says yes to all these things, but there's a little no. And what we've been trying to get you to capture in Pete's introduction when he set it up and in now introducing each of the uh, deadly seven is that the yes is massive and the no is small. And if you're a parent here tonight, you understand that we can't always be yes, there has to be a few no's. And those no's aren't because, you know what, we feel that you as our kids have robbed us from life, so we're just going to pay you back somehow, and that's how we do it. (laughs) It's about, you know what, it's about your protection. I'm a little bit older than you, I've been through a few things, and if I'm saying no, it's from a position of love towards you that says, no, actually, that's not helpful. All right, so we serve a big yes, God, and the deadly seven are just little no's about some things that will lead to death in our lives, physical death. Some of those seven that we've talked about, I mean, Tony spoke last week on gluttony. He spoke this morning on grief. Some of those can lead to actual physical death. But then it's even death in things like emotional death, our um, depression is on the rise, the mental illness is on the rise, and some of these are from the deadly seven that we've not learned to deal with, we've not learned to put in place, and so we've got emotional death, we can have spiritual death, there can be relational death. So what we've, these deadly seven and what we're trying to share with you during this series is about just stopping them so that you can fulfill the plans and the purposes that God has for you. All right, does that sound like a good idea? Awesome. Well, tonight is the last one, and we're looking at wrath. Now, we have a, um, just the pastors get together before the service, and we're all talking about it, and every one of us, one, two, three, four, five, except for one, says, says wrath, like, is wrath, except says, he said, it's wrath. 
And he said, and Kath, when you say it, you've got to say it mean. So we're talking about wrath. Is that mean enough for you, Sus? <laughs> Someone asked me, why are you talking on it and not Tony? I'm like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and I said, well, you obviously don't know me very well because I think I can do wrath very well. All right. So what is wrath? According to the dictionary, wrath is extreme and violent anger that is accompanied by a person doing something to satisfy their anger. A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Anyone ever experienced someone displaying wrath? Anyone ever witnessed someone displaying wrath? Anyone ever been extremely angry? Now, you're all liars. That's another. Here we go. It's the deadly eight. Okay, lying. We'll cover that next week. Anyone ever experienced being very angry? Cool. So I'm talking to the right crowd. Awesome. I, um, I remember two years ago. Stop fighting, Ruff. Stop it. Two years ago, we were away on a family holiday. If you've been in this church, you may have heard this story. And... Um, I'm not going to talk about my wrath issues. I'm going to talk about someone else's wrath issues. <laughs> and uh, we went to Sydney, and we love Sydney. And there's an iconic beach in Sydney, which we, um, Tony and I, when we were dating and then early married before kids, we used to love going to Bondi. So we're in Sydney on holidays as a family. It's been busy time leading up to it. We're staying at a friend's house, looking after it for them on the North Shore. So they've lent us their car and we have to, if you know Sydney, you've got to drive across the bridge. You've got to drive to get to Bondi. So it's a nice day. We've driven to Bondi. We've had to pay $57 for an hour car park because that's what it is in Bondi. Go to uh, Bondo with the kids, packed up for the day. We've got the umbrella and the esky and the chairs and the sunscreen and the towels and the beach ball and the cricket bat and everything else. And we're, you know, waddling all the way down to Bondo. We find a nice um, patch of sand there. We set up, we're going. Tony's sitting there and he's got the old coconut oil and slathered it all on him. <laughs> sitting there, he's got the, in the right position. There's no shadow. The kids are off playing. We've been there 10 minutes and then it starts. Like, nee, 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 the kick and sand. Because you know what like coconut oil was like? Reef oil, that's the word. Reef oil, remember reef oil in the 80s? And so sand. So then I've got this sand monster next to me because the, the sand is so Anyway, the kids start, oh, this person, that person, when are we going yet? Is it time to go? I'm hungry. I want a drink. And you're trying to, trying to play out. And then, then, then... It's like Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> the ground shock. You know, you've seen, um, what's the dinosaur movie? Jurassic Park. And you see he's cupped on the cup and it goes, because of the dinosaurs, like the ground shakes. And this almighty explosion of emotion comes pouring out of the man on the beach blanket next to me. Just that is it just jumped up, just went, you, my selfish kids, and I can't believe it, and I just had a good holiday, and we've only been here 10 minutes, and he's added the whole time, you know when you leave the beach, you pick the sand, the towel up like this, so that you don't shake sand on everyone, it's like, sand's going everywhere, I remember the soccer ball just got kicked, 
The cricket bat, I mean, if it wasn't that it was our mates, I'm sure that would have been snapped over the knee. The kids instantly went, so I said, okay, we can stay now. They're quiet. They're happy. <laughs> it's like everything. I mean, and it's at the time they're recording. I'd seen the Bondi rescue things, and I was just like, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. The last thing I want to do is see myself on Bondi rescue. <laughs> but, you know, like I've got the kids... Like massive, massive, massive explosion. And so the point of that story is this. There's a point. We're not perfect and we all suffer angry moments, issues, problems, whatever. All of us. I'm sure I could go through and sell stories. I'm sure that Carly on the front row here has a story where she could get up here and share that and say, hey, this the one here. Sam could have a story. I mean, even Pastoral Pete. Who you, or, I, instead of telling Tony's story tonight, I could have told you one of Pete's stories. But uh, I have got a beauty of Pete's stories. Whoa. But I can't use the words up here on stage. So I can't, it would just lose its meaning. So I cannot tell you that story. But the point is, the point is we all have anger issues. Here's some stats. When I was just looking up anger issues, almost, they did a survey, okay? Said almost a third of the people polled, that's 32%, say they have a close friend or family member who has trouble controlling their anger. More than 1 in 10, that's 12%, say they have trouble controlling their own anger. More than 1 in 4 people, 20%, say they have ended a relationship or a friendship with someone because of how they behaved when they were angry. And 64% either strongly agree that people in general are getting angrier. We've got a major problem with anger. So what then is this problem? with anger. I'm glad you asked. Let me start by saying this, that there's good angry and then there's bad angry. All right? So let me explain a little bit more. Good angry is a dissatisfaction, annoyance or indignation with injustice. It's often uh, best described or commonly described as righteous anger. For example, Jesus when you look through the Bible, there are stories of Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, it talks about when Jesus went into the, no, Luke chapter 19, Jesus went into the temple and he's indignant. He's angry at the money traders earning money in the temple. He goes and turns the tables over. He's angry. In Luke chapter 11, he's talking to the Pharisees and he's getting stuck into them because of their hypocrisy. Like they just got all these double standards for everybody else and a standard for them. In Mark, there's an account of where he's, he wants to, there's a man with a shriveled hand. And so he says, is it right? Because he knows that they, the Pharisees have this, you cannot heal on us. It's the Sabbath. You can't do anything. And he's so frustrated. He's saying, are you kidding me? Like you would rather this man stay bound and, and in pain and, and in, uh, in sick. You would rather him stay that way than me actually help. So Jesus, there's a righteous anger. And I don't know about you, but that's a good angry. Remember, it's about injustice. It's about annoyance and indignation. And I just think, you know what? Anger at injustice is good. I believe that the church could do with some good, angry people. What about Wilbur, Wilbur, William Wilberforce? 
was a Christian man who just got angry at the injustice of slavery. There are people in politics today because why? Good angry. They didn't like the way things were going, so they decided, I'm going to do something about this. We have an opportunity now with the Kalawasi Project. Good angry to say, hey, why should children be sold into slavery at 10? Why should they be exploited? Why shouldn't they have uh, some of the things that you and I take for granted? Why can't they have an education? Why can't they have three meals a day? Good angry to say, I'm actually going to get involved in this. Indignation at the injustice. There's good angry and then there's bad angry. Bad angry is when your anger gives way to uncontrolled emotions and feelings. It's when you seek revenge through violence, abuse, or manipulation. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to anger, but the wise quietly holds it back. And the problem with bad angry is it stirs up trouble and it's unproductive. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, Those who are hot-tempered stir up strife, but those who are slow to anger calm contention. I mean, road rage, all these things are on the, right, on the rise. Trolley rage. You go through the shopping center and like women are whacking into the back of you with their trolleys. Everyone's in and get out of the way, hurry up if you've got to wait. I was standing behind an elderly gentleman in the um, express lane and he went off because he had to let it express and he had to wait for the person. He would, And his poor wife was like, you could see she was cowering. He was going off. I mean, shop, groceries, like chill man, angry, bad anger, road rage, shopping to... Watching kids sport. <laughs> Seeing the parents on the sidelines, like unbelievable bad anger. And it's that kind of anger that we're wanting to look at tonight. And I want to talk about anger management. Ephesians 4.31 says, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And Colossians 3 verse 8 says, You must rid yourself. As we've said with every other one of the deadly seven, it starts with you. Anger management is your responsibility. It's about you putting off, you ridding yourself. And again, like we've said with all the others, you may have had a disadvantage in your upbringing. Maybe your background hasn't been that helpful. Maybe there have been patterns that have been established in life that have set you back in comparison to maybe your friend next to you or uh, someone else you know. I Granted, there are some things that can be a disadvantage for us, but at the end of the day, when we're talking about managing your anger, the responsibility lies purely, wholly and solely with you. You must rid yourself of anger. And so I want to talk some keys tonight that can help you to be able to do that effectively. So I'm going to read from Psalm uh, 4, verses 1 to 8. And this is King David. He says, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Selah, which simply means pause and think about that. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Selah. 
offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The first key in anger management is that you've got to acknowledge your anger. David said in verse 4, in your anger, do not sin. He didn't say, in your being misunderstood, do not sin. He didn't say, in your tired, hungry state, do not sin. He didn't say, in your menstrual cycle, do not sin. I know he couldn't say it because he's a man, but be with me, all right? What I'm saying is, acknowledge the fact that it's anger. Most of us dress it up as something else. Oh, but I'm tired and hungry. Stop making excuses. Just go, you know what? Call it for what it is. There's a saying that goes like this. If it looks like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, guess what? It's a duck. And it's the same with anger. You know what? We dress it up as all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, but you know what? They miss, they're against me and they misunderstood and they don't quite know and they don't get me. Or, you know, I'm tired and I'm emotional. You know how I get when I'm hungry? And, um, or it's that time of the month or my emotions are here or I'm a teenager, whatever you want to dress it up as. If you're wanting to deal with anger, you've got to acknowledge that that's what it is in your life. That whole Bondi story, I didn't tell you the catch line, did I? <laughs> that whole Bondi story... Tony let everybody know he was angry. He didn't call it anyone else. He said, I am angry. In fact, Tony let the whole of Bondi know that he was angry. And in fact, what we, we, we redefined the English language. We have a term in our dictionary at home. It's called a Bondi. So if we see anyone chucking a wobbly, it's like, oh, they're chucking a Bondi. <laughs> so the, oh, the key is to acknowledge your anger. You know, when you go to the doctor... They ask for your symptoms. They want you to present to them your symptoms. Now, it's no good lying to the doctor because you're going to the doctor so that he can give you something to help you with your sickness, with whatever you're presenting with. So if you have got all the signs and symptoms of, say, an ulcer and you start describing a sore toe, ingrown toenail kind of symptoms, they're going to treat you for what you say you have. And you're going to walk out of there and you might have an infection on you toe that's no longer there, but the, the issue, the cause, the real thing that's giving you the grief doesn't get changed. And so we are wanting to say, you know what, if you're wanting to get healing in that area, breakthrough in that area, then actually let's call it what it is and say, you know what, I'm just angry. And here's some signs, and I know they're not conclusive and it doesn't necessarily mean, but here's some things, listen to these, because maybe this will shed some light on it. Some possible symptoms and signs that you are angry is that you're over, overly suspicious or paranoia. Maybe you're reading into things. Everyone's got it in for you. You see a group of friends talking and you walk up and they stop. Oh, they all, they're talking about me. You know what? Maybe they were. Maybe they were planning a surprise party or something. <laughs> But you're overly suspicious. You're overly sensitive. You would call yourself sensitive. We call you touchy. You know those no-go areas? Everybody's got those, like the Germans, don't mention the war. All right? You're overly sensitive. <laughs> overly reacting. Flying off the handle, just little things. Just actually, that's a bit of an over, 
that's a bit of an overreaction for what actually went down there. These are signs that possibly there's anger in your life. You're not calling it for what it is. Or what about overly exaggerating? There are two words in my vocabulary that let me, they're, they're like litmus paper. They tell me where I'm at and they're always and never. And if I find in conversation, I'm coming out with it always, always, always. It's like, whoa, there's a problem. It's like a big warning bell or never. You never do this. You don't never understand. Nobody ever. Never always. So over-exaggerating. If you're finding some of those sins, they could be signs. There's an anger issue there that you're just not dealing with. And the first key of anger management is just acknowledge it. Okay, wow. I've got some anger. There's some anger here. And then when we shed light on it, healing can come. So acknowledging you're angry. Secondly, is identify the trigger points. David said, let's go back to our scripture. David said, when you are in your bed, search your hearts. Once you've acknowledged you're angry, the next step is to understand why. Why am I? Searching your heart is knowing the why behind the what. We've got to go deeper than just, yeah, I'm angry. It's like, yeah, okay, kind of gathered you're angry, but why? What is it? What's going on in here that is making me angry? Because anger is an outworking of what's happening on the inside. And when I was preparing for this, I was, um, I was on the treaty and I just had this picture of a, a gun. And you know, if you've got an empty gun and you pull a trigger, it, it doesn't matter. It only causes damage when the gun is loaded. And you know what? We can't get rid of triggers in our life. They're tri- we live in this world and there are things that will come against us and you know, issues and hassles and stress and just doing life. There are triggers all around us. But the key is that we've got to live unloaded. And many of us are living, we've got bullets. Sometimes we can just be a little handgun and like sometimes it's like, here comes an 8K47, going, get in my way. Somebody just pulls a trigger and choo, or even a cannonball comes flying out. <laughs> so we've got to live, got to live with empty barrels. We can't let it build up. We've got to look at ourselves and say, what's going on? I mean, just this week, um, we've got a busy week just trying to get a few things organized. Tony and I are off on annual leave uh, next week and just getting some things done. And, and I knew I was preaching and so I'm doing some stuff. And one of my kids, I'd asked to do something and they said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I found myself, I'm asking, I'm reminding them again, blah, 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 blah you know, can do it. And, and then the third time I'm right. And then the fourth time, mommy just lost it, just went for it. Anger, loaded gun. <laughs> it wasn't a handgun, it was an AK-47, then the cannonball after, and then whatever else could get my hands on. And the fact that, you know what, at the end of the day, what the child did was wrong, but what was wronger was mummy's response. And I had to come back later and just, and just look at it and go, you know what, I, I have been... I'd let stress, I was worried about things, I was under the pump in doing some stuff. I didn't have a clean barrel. And so you know what, if this child had done the same thing possibly the week before or the day before when I was living clean, it might not have had that same reaction. But because I hadn't been dealing with what needed to be dealt with, when they did that, it's just like, whoa, off they went, off they copped what was going on. So we have to live clean, all right? Don't let it build up. David said, when you are in your bed, here's a question for you. I'm not going to look at this side of the room because how often do you go to bed? Every night. 
So if I sat over there, they'll go, I'm always in bed. <laughs> Teenagers, I never get out of bed. Every night. So what's David saying? He's saying every night when you go to bed, saying, God, my day today, create in me a clean heart. Lord, what's going on in me? How did I go today? And then he could just highlight some things. Hey, Kath, this. If I had been doing that, when my child had not done what I'd asked, I, I guarantee I would have handled it better. Would have come and said, hey, he were doing that thing again. Would, uh, first time every time. Remember, we're working on this, but I, I would have handled it better. But I hadn't been doing what David had said. And every night on my bed, okay, Lord, what's, look in my heart. What's going on? Okay, handing that over to you. And here's another key. This is what I felt God say to me that I sometimes do. When we talk about cast your cares and your burdens on God, I often will walk in to go, here's all my stuff. Ugh. You know, Lord, this and this and this and this and oh, I feel better. And then when I go to leave, do you know what I do? There's a picture God showed me. It's like you pick up your handbag, thanks God, and off you go again. It's like we're supposed to take it there, leave it there. But it's, it's not a handbag. And I think that's the thing with women is because we're so used to carrying a handbag. It's like... Oh, I've got to take it back with me. <laughs> so we're supposed, and every night I say, God, what is it? What's going on on my bed? Okay, this. And then simply as, oh, Lord, can I just give that to you? Oh, I wasn't right there. Oh, that offense I'm carrying, that hurt I'm carrying, that this I'm carrying. Here it is, I give it to you. We're talking about dealing with the triggers. How often do you go to bed? Every day. So every day, search your heart. And then thirdly, apply godly solutions. You've acknowledged the fact that you're angry. You've identified the source of your anger. Then David lists some things that we can do in that uh, psalm that I read. He says, be silent. In other words, don't nurse and rehearse. The trigger, whatever it is, be silent. Okay, God, you know what? That thing that's ticking me off, that thing, be silent. I'm not nursing and rehearsing. I'm not replaying it in my head. I'm not going to share my opinion and get people on side. He says, be silent. You want to deal with your anger issues? Then be silent. Don't go to people to get them on board. Don't, oh, well, this and that. And and, and we're really good at doing that. Just yesterday, I went to the plaza. And you know that where you come, you drive into the plaza, there's a stop sign here and people go and it's against the actual flow of traffic it isn't normal stop sign so generally I would have to stop because it's a t-junction but because it's the plaza because there's traffic lights they've changed the rules but there's a stop sign and so I have actually right away and so I went through and this lady didn't stop and then she beeped and honked and waved to me and you know what I did? I stopped my car. I mean, I'm preaching on anger. I stopped my car. I went out my window and I went, there's a stop sign there. <laughs> and then right, I st- for like three minutes and Bailey's like, can I put the window up? <laughs> it's like, she's beeping away. Like, you know, I'm like, don't, lady, I am in the right. You are in the wrong. And I went and got my part. I followed her. I'm going like, to get her. I'm going to get her, Reggie. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to actually get out. I'm going to stand behind her car and write it down. So it looks like I've got your number. I know. And I've got friends, you know. I know friends who are coppers. And I'm going to run your number. You know, it's ridiculous. That's nursing and rehearsing. And before you know it, you're all anxious and you're all... And I'm like, like, really, what are you doing? Like, seriously, I've just wasted 10 minutes. I'm all anxious. I'm all, uh, that's nursing and rehearsing. 
And then, uh, then I'm, you know, Tony, did you see Tony? Do you know what she did, Tony? It's like, be silent. God's going, would you shut up? <laughs> Anger management, silent. Apply godly solutions. Just be silent. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yep, she was wrong. Doesn't matter. Nobody's hurt. Let's get on with it. Be silent. He also says, do good. He says, and do good. He says, offer right sacrifices. Offering right sacrifices is doing the right things. Things like forgive. You know what? Forgive. I, in the end, I was like, I'm rehearsing and rehearsing this. I'm like, forgive. The lady didn't know. She might not have missed it. In actual fact, in all fairness to her, normally that would be a stop sign. She missed the sign. Forgive. And if you're struggling to forgive, you've got to think, actually, I've done far worse to God than what anyone's ever done to me. Let me finish this, the Bondi moment story. When it all calmed down and we got home safe, Tony came back and just said, Kids, Kath, I just need to apologise. I'm really, really sorry for what I did. There is no excuse for my reaction. Forgiveness. Now, we can all then apologise to Dad and say, You know what, Dad? We didn't help in that situation. It's forgiveness. Doing the right things. He says, Do the right things. Things offer the right sacrifices. Praise. Remember, offering the right sacrifice, praise. Because God is with you. You're wanting to deal with the anger issues, the things that are getting you all up tense and tight and uh, you're like a wide spring. And if anyone says the wrong thing, you're going to launch at them. Then praise. Say, God, you are worthy. Whatever these issues are, whatever my concerns are, my hurts, my offenses, these things that are winding me up on the inside, I'm just going to choose to praise you. I'm going to choose to lift my eyes and focus on you. I'm going to choose to praise uh, the plans and the purposes you have for me. I'm going to choose to think the benefit and the best of those that are for me. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose and I'm going to praise you in the meantime. We're talking about right sacrifices, forgive, praise. Hold on to the good. Father, your word says that you who've begun a good work in me will see it to completion. God, I trust you, God. I'm going to hang on to the good. I'm just going to say, you know what, God? I might not be where I want to be, but I'm on my way. I'm going to hang on to the good. You're helping me in this area. I may not totally have it under control, but I'm better than I was. So thank you for that. And thirdly, we're talking about be silent, be good, and trust God. Scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not about us trying to get, well, I've just got to get them back because you don't understand. No, leave, it's, that, it's that here it is, God, I leave it with you. Because here's a little key. Vengeance is his, but it doesn't mean he'll take vengeance. I think I often live with that concept that vengeance is God. So come on, God, because you can give better vengeance than I'll ever dream up. That's not the point. The point is vengeance is his, but he loves the world. And so he doesn't want to take it out. He's wanting the whole world to come to know him. So while he could, most generally he's not going to. All right? So vengeance is his trust, trust God. In conclusion, verses 7 and 8 of that psalm says, You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The result of David dealing with his anger, the result of his advice of being silent, doing good, trusting God, was that there was joy, there was peace, and there is safety. And that's what we want to see, and that's what we want to experience as Christians in our lives. Joy, peace, and safety. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.